3, 2, 1, roll the footage! Welcome back everybody! I'm Simon Severino, your host, and today we have Canadian immigration lawyer, tech co-founder and business blogger Josh with us. We will dive deep into how to get started in entrepreneurship, how to figure out the right business for you if you haven't started, ways to test and grow in early stages, and navigating the non-business parts of your business. Welcome everybody, Josh Shekno. Thanks, Simon. I love this. As a podcaster myself, I might have to look into some of these uh, some of these sound bites. It's it, it's a great addition. Yes, absolutely. We have been discussing in our masterminds. Now that we live in these little squares here, how can we make it fun? How can we make it uh, energizing? Right. Otherwise, there is no point of living in these squares. Exactly. So, yeah. What are you currently creating, Josh? Well, right now I'm creating a tech company. So I, I think I have a relatively unique, not, I guess maybe not too unique these days with the number of tech companies out there, but I had a really cool experience in the last few years of, of building a service-based business of my own and, and now kind of transitioning that into a tech company, a tech platform. Uh, so we're building a platform here in Canada to make it easy for Canadian companies to find developers from around the world and bring them to their Canadian offices. Uh, as, as you might know, I, I, different countries, a little bit different in terms of their immigration policies, but it can be difficult to navigate the immigration process, especially as a business when you have a hundred other things to worry about. And it can be very difficult to find good senior devs in, in your home country. So being able to leverage talent from around the world is becoming a really good uh, competitive advantage for a lot of companies. It's extremely hard to fight devs in general to find devs mm -hmm. in your country impossible right now people tell me they have looked everybody they're everywhere in uh, latin america they've looked in indonesia they've looked in uh, pakistan and uh, even even looking far it's right now hard to get the right developers with the right quality um how do you how, yeah how do you navigate that whole thing the quality the time zones the the high salaries because they are really relevant right now yeah i mean that's one of the reasons that people talk to me to begin with because salaries are high but domestically they're through the roof so in canada not only are you fighting with other canadian companies but now we what we've seen in the last few years especially three four or five years is u.s companies opening up subsidiaries in canada or now because of COVID, what I've been hearing is U.S. companies offering U.S. salaries to Canadian devs and allowing them to work remotely. So if you're a small to medium or even, you know, relatively large size Canadian tech company, you're trying to compete with now effectively San Francisco based tech company that's funded maybe more than you in U.S. dollars. Right. So it's super expensive inside Canada to find especially senior devs. And companies are starting to look abroad. So how are they doing this? They're doing it in a, in a variety of ways. Some companies do it all in-house. You know, they go out, they post on Indeed, they po post on LinkedIn, they, they try to do their own, their own sourcing. Uh, because you mentioned time zones, some companies prefer to look, in our case, in Latin America, because the time zones are either right on or, or a little bit close. 
or just a little bit off. Some companies say, let's open up the playbook. Let's, let's open up the map and just find the best devs that are interested and, and willing to come here. And then, of course, there's kind of two ways to navigate the immigration process. You do it by yourself or you hire a professional or, or you hire a company. I would say most companies are looking to actually work with a professional because when you're spending usually upwards of 100 and 150K on a salary to bring someone into the country, into your office, you don't want any bumps in the road, right? So it's worth it to spend an extra few thousand, work with a lawyer, work with another immigration professional and make sure the process is done right and make sure it goes smoothly. Uh, because the quicker they're in their chair in Canada, settled, comfortable, maybe they're bringing their family, uh, the happier everyone will be. And what about your own entrepreneurial journey? How long are you in this game? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's been my really like my my, I guess, real career started about five years ago. So I graduated law school in 2016. I'm dating myself here, but I don't think I have too much to to uh, worry about there. Uh, and the long story short is I got the opportunity to start my legal career under the tutorage or tutelage of a immigration lawyer who was retiring at the time. So a friend reached out and said, Josh, I, you know, you're, you just graduated. You're looking to get started. My dad's actually in the process of closing his firm down and, you know, stopping his practice. But he doesn't want to sit around and do nothing. He kind of would love to mentor a junior lawyer. Would you would you want to work with him? The only kicker is that he's closing his firm. He doesn't want to employ anybody. So you would have to start your own firm. And so that was like, a you know, you don't hear of too many lawyers kind of starting out that way. And I thought, sure, what you know, what the heck? He said, look into, you know, more businessy startup tech programs because Canada, to its credit, has been creating a lot of these skilled worker related programs in immigration that make it easier for tech companies to hire devs or skilled workers to get permanent residents. And he said, you guys should, you know, focus on that. That's probably where things are going. And anyways, fast forward a few years and I built up a little kind of like niche law firm working with tech companies, helping them bring developers in, into the country. And then from there, a few years went by. And to be honest, for those of you who have, you know, maybe been through the immigration process or, you know, maybe work in, in the legal field, it's it's effectively paperwork, right? I don't want to say it's easy paperwork, but it's not rocket science, right? I could teach you to, to be an, a lawyer maybe in an afternoon in immigration law in Canada, or at least get you started. And working with all these tech companies who were kind of innovating and creating all these new apps that were making things easier, I was like, why are there none in the, in the immigration space, especially in a country like Canada? So two years ago, co-founded our company now called Visto.ai. And we started by building a actually B2B, a B2C platform that helps immigrants kind of like a TurboTax, kind of helps you figure out the different programs for you and then do your immigration by yourself. And we recently over the summer pivoted, did another fundraise and are focused more B2B helping companies find and, and bring devs into the country. So it's been, uh, you know, as most journeys are, a little a few ups and downs and pivots along the way, but uh, it's been a lot of fun. Before we go to your three CEO tips, three books or podcasts that inspired you on your own journey? Yeah, I mean, most of the, I got a bunch behind me here. You can't really see the whole thing, but definitely, definitely an avid reader. 
Uh, I would say that the four hour work week is probably a common one, maybe that you hear a lot, but it really uh, changed my view on not only, you know, how, how to run a business, but how you could, how you can run your life really. Uh, so that's one I usually revisit every couple of years by Tim Ferriss. Uh, I, re I really have gotten into in the last year or two biographies or autobiographies by CEOs and entrepreneurs. And I find those double as really inspirational and motivational. And you learn a lot just from reading the story. I, I would say Shoe Dog by Phil Knight is probably one of my favorite books ever. And uh, just an, an incredible story and, and just getting to read about the the beginning and, and growth of Nike is, is extremely extremely interesting. And the last one, I would probably say, psh, that's tough. Narrowing it down to three can be tough, right, uh, Simon? I would say uh, I'd probably go back to another like autobiography or biography. I'd say either Elon Musk or Richard Branson's biography. Uh, Musk is a biography, and I think Richard Branson's are autobiographies. But those are really good in the sense that it's just incredible to read about what these guys have done, right? And and more so than anything from the book, you kind of come away with it thinking, I'm probably not pushing myself hard enough and I'm probably not giving myself enough credit for what I could possibly do, right? And it's almost like a like a relief in a sense to be like, wow, if if they could do that, why aren't I pushing myself to be bigger than I am right now? And, and we're all on a path and it comes in steps but uh, really eye-opening and, and getting to peel back and see the journeys of these incredible folks is, uh, I think, really rewarding and really interesting. And now let's go to your CEO tips. How to figure out the right business for you? Yeah, the, the reason why I put that down is I have, I especially have a lot of friends or people in my network that are or people that listen to my podcast that are kind of interested in getting into entrepreneurship, right? I'm, I'm in my, I, I'm 30, I'm, I'm almost 31. So a lot of people are, they've started their careers, maybe they're like three to five years in, they're starting to realize that they don't love working for other people and, you know, are maybe looking for opportunities to work for themselves. But the hard part at first is, you know, what, okay, I want to be an entrepreneur. What do I do? Right? Kind of like question 1A. And I think there's no one right answer to that, right? I think the only thing you can do is try to prepare and test a few different options, right? Or even somebody who does narrow down, okay, I want to be an e-commerce um, specialist. Well, there's still 150 million different e-commerce businesses that you can start, right? So I think that really what you have to do at the beginning is not put pressure on yourself to say, okay, in four days, I have to know the exact business that I'm going to start and the exact way I'm going to do it, right? Especially if you have a nine to five or you have another source of income, take the time, spend the time, do a little bit of the research, right? Market research. What's something you're really good at? What's something that also has a market, right? That actually has demand that you could sell something for actual dollars and do a little bit of research and maybe test a few uh, a, a few ideas because the first one might might not be the right one. I kind of got lucky and stumbled into um, more of a professional services business that there was obviously a, a lot of demand for anyways, um, but that's not always the case. And then even from there, what we did, we ended up niching down into very narrow group of applica immigration applications. So even within the immigration law space, we niched down much further 
And that's something else that I recommend, especially early, early on. I, I don't know if you would agree with this, Simon, but the earlier you can at least testing out a couple niches and maybe even, you know, narrowing down to just one for those first few years makes you get really, really good at that one thing. You start getting referrals and becoming known for the guy who guy or girl who does that one thing. And it makes providing that service that much easier because you're not providing seven different services that you have to prep for and automate and learn about and stay updated on. If you're just doing one or two, it becomes that much easier. So a bit of a mouthful, but hopefully that uh, hopefully that helps. And how can people test how to know if they are onto something, how to make tests quick and small and inexpensive? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think the the best test by far is to go out to the market and see if people will give you your credit card number, right? There, there's some people that might say different things, but ultimately, like you can't test by going to your mom and asking if she'll buy your product, right? Because you might get some good feedback, especially if this is a product or service that your mom has purchased in the past. But the reality is your mother is going to give you a much, most mothers will give you a more favorable response than some schmo on the street who you've never met before, right? So this can kind of vary depending on your type of business, but the best thing you can do is go test it. And they, Tim talks about this a lot in the four hour work week of, you don't have to go this far, but he would create one page websites and landing pages and throw five, 10, $50 at paid ads to see if people will buy or sign up for a specific service. Ultimately, you can do, you know, do your research, do your prepping, talk to friends, talk to family, because they're the most likely people to, to actually get on the phone with you. But the best way to test something is to go out to the market and put, you know, put up a product, put together a service, put together a one page PDF of whatever your offer is, or, you know, maybe throw up a quick landing page and see if people will buy. I, I really think it's the best way. The third part of your CEO tip is about the non-business parts of running a business. Can you tell us more about that? I think that's probably the most important and most under discussed part of, of the whole thing. You and I, all of us, we can learn how to start and run businesses, right? Simon, we can do research, we can read books, we can go through this you know, seven step guide to this and 12 step guide to that. You can pay some, you know, outsource things, right? Pay someone to build your website, et cetera, et cetera. I think far and away the hardest part about being an entrepreneur and growing a business is, you know, what goes up uh, on up in here and navigating the ups and downs, right? Because when you're an employee, you're going into, you know, maybe you're going in, maybe you're working remote, you get your salary, uh, you know, maybe maybe your your jobs or duties change and maybe there's some blimps and ups and downs or you get a promoted or you get demoted, whatever, whatever. But I think the hardest part about entrepreneurship and again, curious to see you know, if, if you agree with this part, is you wake up every day and it's effectively a blank slate, right? You can do anything. You could do nothing, right? You could, you could hit, the, hit the snooze and just keep sleeping, right? Like why did you and I get up today, right? Why are you and I doing what's on our calendars or on our to-do list today? And then we have to navigate it knowing all the details, knowing the dollars that are coming in or not coming in and going through the tough times, right? Because there, there are tough times, even I don't you know, what I've found is some months, even when you're like revenues doing this, you know, your emotional part could be doing this, right? Like the, the story I like to tell is 
the first time I ever had a five figure month in my law firm. And I made the mistake of only tracking revenue at the end of the month. And it was usually like a couple days after, right? Cause I would wait for all the statements to come in and whatever, whatever. And I think it was like in November, it was getting, it's November coincidentally right now, might've been October. It was starting to get cold, right? I'm in Toronto, <clears throat> starting to get, you know, darker at night and darker when you wake up. And I was so busy and I just, I felt like crap. It was like a crappy few weeks. I just wasn't that happy. And then I looked at the financials for the end of the month. I had my best month ever. And I was like elated. And I was like, why? Like, why is this happening? Right? Why in a month when the business did so well, am I not doing well? And then part of that learning is, well, you have to find ways and systems and organize your life, not just from a business perspective, but from an overall life perspective, right? You're in charge of yourself. You're your own boss. Uh, maybe keep track of those metrics more often. Maybe if I had known things were going well, I would put things into perspective a little bit easier. But all this to say is like, not only are you in charge of the business, you're in charge of yourself, right? Um, and uh, it can be tough. I don't know. It can, it can be tough, right? You can't read a book, six steps to being happy all the time as an entrepreneur. And part of it is accepting that you won't be happy all the time, right? N none of us are happy all the time. Beautiful. That's the real journey of entrepreneurs. Um, I, for myself, because you asked, I, I have a, a three habits. So there is the daily habit, weekly habit, the monthly habit. And the, the weekly habit is really about getting the numbers, sales numbers, marketing numbers and ops numbers every seven days. Because yeah. otherwise exactly that happens that you go over a full month not really knowing what's going on. And, um, and we are systems thinkers, so it's always about the loops, the feedback loops. Right. And so everything gets gets looped every seven days. And the other one is the daily habit where I, I reflect how did I allocate my time today? What gave me energy? What took energy? What was low leverage? What was high leverage? And what do I learn from that for tomorrow? Which informs the flow of tomorrow, the agenda of tomorrow. Beautiful. Josh, where can people uh, get a hold of you? Where do you hang out? Yeah, a couple places. If, if you want to just learn more, you can go to my personal website. It's just joshshacknow.com. Maybe we'll in, in, include it in the description because my last name's not the easiest to spell. You can also find me, if, if you want to connect directly, the best way is probably LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I definitely check it every day and post at least a couple times a week. Again, spelling is the same, Josh Shacknow. I'm sure it'll be included somewhere in the title or, or in the description. And uh, TikTok, I've, I've probably my most uh, prized uh, social media platform these days has been TikTok. I, I just love it. I, I like the video, you know, the video aspect. And I also think that they're doing something right with their algorithm, right? The, the, the fact that you have the potential to go viral on almost any video doesn't really exist on other platforms right now, uh, especially for your, you know, even when if you're just getting started out with zero followers. So I, I love TikTok. Again, if you look up Josh Shack now, you'll find me. Uh, there's not too many of them around the world. So uh, I would say those three are probably best. And who should be my next guest? That's a good question. I've, I've thought about that for a little bit. I mean, I, I have a good friend in the immigration mobility space. He's been on my podcast. I've been on his podcast. His na name's Roman Zelichenko. And he's building a really cool tech platform, uh, immigration tech tool in the U.S. And so I think he could maybe give like a similar 
perspective, but but from the U.S. And he's got something similar going wherein he's building an immigration tech platform. He's also got kind of like a content creation company that's related to immigration too. And he would be a really good guest. So I, I recommend him for that. Super cool. John Shekno, everybody, check him out. And what's your podcast? Where can people find your podcast? Yeah, you, they can find it on my, on my website. So if you go to joshshacknow.com, the podcast is called the Solopreneur Grind Podcast. So I actually started it a few years ago when I was working my own, you know, on my own, uh, on my own law firm at the time. And I really just wanted to start chatting with, with other solopreneurs and, and getting lessons from them. So Simon will be on that. We'll be recording it next week. I'm just looking at my calendar. And I'm really excited to flip the tables because uh, your tip on the on the daily and weekly and and monthly activities was a quick lesson that I got from from this episode, and I'm sure I'll learn a lot more when we have you on next week. Super cool! Looking forward to that. So see you on the flip side soon. Thanks, Simon. Appreciate. Avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work. We have 274 templates for your business success. Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one -on -one sprint coach. We double your revenue in 90 days.